Welcome back to Camp Wire, uh, episode three now. So we talked, we had a conference preview in our first episode with our CEO, our president and CEO, Tom Rosenberg, and he previewed our national conference. And then uh, about a month, little over a month ago, we talked to our director of research, Lori Brown, about some of the things that we're doing here in the coming months um, with our research and things that we've been up to. And then, to, but for this episode, I got to talk to a friend of mine. Um, from, uh, his name is Mike Lang, and he does marketing um, with us long, uh, as well as some other things at Camp Tecumseh in Brookston, Indiana, and where I have some connections, um, some real close personal connections, and I actually used to work there as a videographer. Uh, enjoy the conversation. Welcome to Camp Wire, Mike Lang. Well, thanks so much, Sam. It's good so, to be here. We're sitting. T- why don't you tell us where we are? Uh, so we're currently in my office here at Camp Tecumseh. It's a beautiful 74-degree day outside. We've got a bunch of kids running around with our outdoor education program. We just had a bunch of buses pull in, uh, which is pretty exciting. So, so yeah. just a little bit about Tecumseh. You guys operate year-round. We do, yes. So um, the summer is obviously your big season, like most people. Of course. But tell So there's outdoor education groups here now. Can you talk about some of those groups and some of the work that's being done not in the summer? Yeah. Uh, we actually serve the majority of our guests in our non-summer months. So over the course of the year, we serve 36,000 people, and only about 7,000 of those are actually our, our summer campers. So for our outdoor education program, we serve about 120 schools, and we've got about 14,000 people that come through that program. Uh, so the schools that we serve are all over Indiana. We have folks that come locally from Delphi, from Lafayette, from West Lafayette. But we also have a lot of folks that come up from Chicago. We've got groups that come from Indianapolis, uh, so a lot of, a lot of that. Uh, and they come for a while. You know, All of our programs are two- or three-day uh, programs. We don't really do a lot of day programs, and they come, and we teach them environmental education. We do history with kind of our pioneer settlements. We do team building with our Foundations for Success program. Um, the chapel, which is about 30 minutes, they do kind of a morning of clinics where they get to pick at the beginning of the week the clinics that they want to be in. So that can be arts and crafts. That could be things like shooting sports, um, other things like that. After clinics, they go to lunch, they have rest hour, and then in the afternoon they do their aquatics activities followed by cabin activities. So that can be in, they hang out as a bunch all together all day uh, in the afternoons after they get done with aquatics time. Uh, so they might do the zip line, they might play dodgeball, they might do some team building activities, go on a cookout, some of that kind cool. of stuff. Great. We're going to do a talk a lot more about some of the specifics here at Tecumseh. And full disclosure, um, listeners, that I have, I used to work here. I have a connection. The I am marrying a girl who grew up here, and her dad <laughs> is the CEO. So, um, if there sounds like bias, I'm not going to pretend like it doesn't exist. I, I, this, this is one of my, this is part of my camp experience. But, um, so, but we're going to talk a lot about what what Mike is doing at Tecumseh uh, for marketing. We're going to come back to more specific Tecumseh things. But I, I want to know more about you, um, maybe some of your camp experience. Sure. Um, you know, it's kind of funny. When I, I started working here at Camp Tecumseh as a counselor, I think that's how most people kind of get plugged into the camping community. I was never a camper. I never had a camp experience. I actually thought that camp was where 
parents sent their kids when their parents just wanted to go on vacation. I thought this was like the dumping ground. So of course, all of my consciousness about camp came from things like heavyweights and wet hot American summer and all of these like really (laughs) negative connotations about what camp was. So when my fiance was like, hey, you're going to go work at camp this summer instead of working the electronics counter at Target. I was like, no, that's not going to be a thing. Uh, But over the course of the summer, you realize the importance, uh, how important a camp experience can be not just for you personally but you see the growth in the kids you see the growth in the other fellow staff members like I remember coming out of that summer going wow I think that was one of the most kind of impactful experiences um, for me so I kept coming back right I mean you know 2008 2009 I was a counselor in 2010 I kind of moved into an administrative role uh, here as the Lake Village director the Lake Village at Tecumseh is uh, for our 13 to 15 year old campers we've got about 250 kids uh, that come and that's kind of where I've been serving um, during the summer for a long time until recently when I moved over to um, become the marketing director full-time right but at the same well, while you were like you've been doing marketing all those years as well you were doing kind of juggling both yeah right? I, I wore a lot of hats so uh, when I first got hired here full-time I was doing outdoor education uh, so as an outdoor education leader I was doing the summer camp thing and then I was doing marketing and all my free time which really just kind of translated into the hours after work ended uh, which is uh, when things happen and then I got taken off of outdoor education to focus more on marketing so I do marketing in the Lake Village thing and then after I um, recently we said you know we're just gonna go marketing full-time which is pretty exciting for me yeah so. It is, yeah. So were you still Lake Village director last summer? Yeah, this, so this will be so my first, will be first summer, summer in a marketing-only role. And you're excited about that? I am. Uh, I, I think a lot. there's been a lot of projects that I've wanted to take on uh, that I've just been un- unable to take on because the administrative duties of a director, as you know, most of your listeners will be familiar with, yeah. can be a bit overwhelming. Yeah. Uh, so there's a lot of projects that we've had to kind of put on the back burner and have just never really been an option, despite the fact that summer camp is one of your most high image, high video content. It's really rich uh, for telling stories for the rest of the year. So I'm excited for the opportunities to gather that content and be able to tell these stories for Mm -hmm. the next year. I'm bummed about the opportunity that I'm missing to really kind of relate with those counselors. That's always been the part of the job that I've I've really liked. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, I think, you know, a lot of our camps are, I would, I would say a lot of our camps or a lot of camps in general are smaller than Tecumseh. Yeah. Tecumseh is a good sized camp. And so I think a lot of uh, directors and camp staff would be able to relate with what you're talking about with juggling so many things. It's at hard. Once. Yeah. Because I, I would think, and I don't know this for sure. We don't have any data on it or anything, but I would think a lot of, um, camp marketers are camp directors yes. who are just marketing because they, they want to get the word out. Right. And they're trying to get the word out any way they know how. Um, so it's, it may be a little unusual to have someone like you. Right doing marketing full-time. Yeah, yeah. And, it, it, you know, it's kind of tough, right? Because usually, at, at least in the community, right, you try to go find folks that do things that you're familiar with. So if you're summer camp director, you're talking to other summer camp directors. Or if you're the sole person and you're the executive director, then you've got a crew of mm-hmm. executive directors that you're talking to. Um, and there, are, granted, there are a few uh, kind of marketing directors around the country uh, that I'm in contact with, but it's a, it's a fairly small group of individuals. Mm-hmm. We're almost paying it as if you're an accidental marketer, but you're really not. Because you went, I mean, you went to school for uh, media. You know, sure. Uh, you know, I, I didn't study business. I didn't study marketing. In fact, you know, I went for communications, which, and, you know, there's some clear, uh, there's some clear overlap. But I remember one of my professors, at least in grad school, he was my, you know, he was my committee chair. And I remember him talking about marketing and he just kind of had this disdain for it. <laughs> and there was this sense of like, why would anyone actually go study marketing? You're going to be better off studying the creative industries. You're going to be better off studying film. You're going to be better off studying like how, you know, kind of networking, all all of this kind of stuff that, you know, 
sitting around and reading a marketing textbook, at least in the 21st century, is almost a useless exercise. And uh, of course, there are plenty of folks with marketing degrees that I have a lot of respect for. But for whatever reason, that always really stuck out to me. So my initial plan was to go, I was going to go be a college professor and, you know, kind of focus on media studies. And then camp just kind of kept beckoning um, to me. So I've got some experience in, in media production in, in kind of, you know, in grad school, I studied uh, we, the concept called media life, which is just the intersection of, you know, how media and ourselves kind of fit together. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm kind of like, I'm a quasi marketing guy. A lot of, yeah. you know, my stuff is self-taught, but this is stuff that I've been thinking about and working on for close to a decade. Now. Yeah. So when I, because th- when I think of marketing, I think of communications and content marketing. Yeah. And content. Well, it's such a loaded term. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm always hesitant to tell people that I'm a marketing director because for whatever reason in my head, there's this negative connotation with my, like, I see like bad clip art and Excel's, yeah. you know, spreadsheets <laughs> yeah. and like return on investment and all these kind of things that I'm, you know, I'm frankly not interested in. But I think a lot of the things that you were saying kind of match up more with how I view it, right? Mm-hmm. Our job as, a, as marketers is to tell the story right. of camp. And I'm incredibly compelled by the story of camp because I've seen it in my own life. I've seen it in my friends' lives. So it's really easy for me to tell right. that story and find avenues to, to tell that story. Yeah, and I think th- there's no there's no reason why um, an Instagram post will make you any money. Yeah. Like, and, and there's no reason why it should. Yeah. Because like, if the point is, and the, what we talk about is the point is to cultivate a conversation at camp. That's the phrase I always use. Right. And if that's the point, then the ROI is people going to camp and having a, their, you know, their lives changing. Yeah. Which we can't measure all the time. Well, there's, there's this great TED Talk, uh, and it's the CEO of Joie de Vivre, which is a hotel line out in uh, San Francisco, I think, and uh, the dude's name is Chip. I can't remember what his last name is right now. Uh, but he the whole TED Talk is about how do you measure what's important, and it, for whatever reason, it's always struck out to me because even you know things like ROA, and I don't mean to say that analytics and these numbers aren't important. They, they help tell the story kind of the, uh, of how your marketing is working, uh, but sometimes I think we can get too obsessed with the numbers that we lose out on what's actually important. So, you know, for instance, when it comes, you know, if you're posting something to Instagram, it's you, you look at something with a lot of likes and go, oh, okay, that's got a lot of likes. That's the content that matters the most. Right. Uh, but what we found is I can post a picture of our chapel and get, you know, 800 likes on our Instagram page. Uh, whereas, you know, a, a call to come to partner service day, which is kind of a volunteer opportunity to come out to camp might only get 300 likes or something like that. But the partner service day post is bringing people to camp. Right. I can, you know, hey, I got 10 people out of this post and that's more valuable to me than a click because someone likes the chapel. I know people like the yeah, chapel already. Right. So I think when we're using these analytics, we have to be careful in mm-hmm. understanding what's actually important here right. uh, and how do I kind of measure um, measure those things. Yeah, and I, like I, something that I always am keeping in mind and I've kind of talked about with some staff is engagement is way better than yeah. than reach. Yeah. Cuz you can pay I mean you can pay on you can do Facebook um, ads that are really affordable. Right. They can they can boost your reach. Right. And reach is good because it's exposure, but um, having, you know, a huge reach with eight comments is the same as having 10 people like right. it with eight comments. Right. I mean it's the same. And well and it's, I think it's unrealistic too to expect someone to sign up for your camp program because you had one Instagram post, right? It's going to happen right. occasionally, but right. it's this process, right? right? Where, you know, someone might look at it and go, wow, that's a really pretty chapel. And then, you know, maybe eight Instagram posts and three blog posts and a phone call later, they're finally signing up mm-hmm. for your camp program. And it's hard to point to 
any one of those particular interactions as the catalyst that made this thing happen. Uh, instead, it's this, you know, the content marketers will know the, you know, the sales funnel language here. Um, but you're kind of, you know, you're bringing them in with your wealth of content and mm-hmm. you're just kind of producing it. And if you look at them individually, you lose the whole yeah. picture of, of how of how the process is working. It's easy to look at and being from someone who's worked here and has a connection here, it's easy to look at posts here and be like, something's happening there. And I think a lot of people can look at Tecumseh. Actually, my stepdad, who's never, he's only visited here one time, just drove in through it when, not, with no kids around or anything. He's gets the, they get the Tecumseh tales. Man, I'm having a problem with Tecumseh. <laughs> they get the Tecumseh tales, and he brought it up to Scott once and was like, you know, something, I can, something's happening here. Amazing. That matters. Yeah. You know, and I think camp people, and this is something I talked about too, camp people get it. Right. They don't need to be, no one in camp, no one who has a camp experience needs to be convinced of the why. Like no one here just thinks, oh, it's a fun thing to do when I'm bored. Right. Like everyone gets it. Why camp matters. Um, and what I've also come to find out is it's really easy to convince people that camp matters. Yeah. Like it doesn't take convincing. Right. It's either you already get it or you're exposed to it, you see something, and then you get it. Right. You know, and I, that's something like that came up, I was reminded of when you're talking about whether or not to work at Target or here. Yeah. By the end of that summer, you got it. Yeah. Right. Well, it's, I think talking about that thing can be a really difficult thing to do. And this is something that I struggle with as a marketing director, right? I feel like for every nine articles that I write, I one of those articles is going to hit at this. And, you know, I feel like there's, you know, and this might sound really cheesy, but that there's like this, the secret truth mm-hmm. in a camp experience that as marketing directors, we're trying to get to right? this one thing that kind of encapsulates this transformation that can happen in a person's life. Uh, because it's, it's one of those, you know, we, we it's, it's kind of an inter, inter, intersection point, right? Where people are going, I've had this experience and because of this experience, my life is going to change in particular ways. And, um, you know, I often kind of re- refer to it in nautical language. Language, right where you know these mariners have kind of made a course correction of a degree or two yeah. and for the first little bit that's not going to make that big of a difference but on a thousand mile journey a difference of a degree or two is significant so when you get to the person you know to the end of a person's life and you see you know this could have gone this way but it went this way instead and that intersection point was the camp experience right. like that's amazing it to is, me yeah. and it's you know it's college kids who are changing their majors it's you know campers who are talking about issues that they're dealing with for the first time with someone that they trust it's you know full-time staff forming relationships uh with counselors in in ways that are uh, not just impactful for counselors but impact the way that they see the world uh keep them young all that good stuff right. it's the reason people are camp directors but um that is that's the compelling story for me and right. everything that i do and everything that i write and photograph tries to tell mm-hmm. that story yeah i mean and we'll, and we'll put um i'm gonna add some notes to the show so that when people want it like i'm gonna put um remind me to put that ted talk we're gonna i'm gonna yeah. jot that down yeah we can put a link to that and we'll, we'll put a link to a couple uh things that you guys have put out if that's all right maybe yeah. a couple videos yeah of course one video in particular that i want to talk about a little bit is um is why uh, I think it's, I don't know if it, I forget what it's called, but something about why camp matters. It was a last fall. Yeah. Last mm-hmm. or early winter. Yep. And not only did, was it very successful social media analytics, like, or uh, like, you know, analytic way. Right. Uh, it was, it was a great video that that's something you can watch and think something's happening at this yeah. place. 
Do you want to talk a little bit about the making of that? Yeah. What? Well, this is something that we've been talking about as a program staff uh, for a little while. And I should I should preface this by saying, you know, my core philosophy is this. If you your program has to come first. Mm-hmm. Marketing is really easy when you've got a really killer program. If you don't have a killer program and you're pumping all of this money into marketing, you know, you're kind of sh- you, you're polishing up a turd a little bit. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> what we need. So. Uh, you know, our philosophy at Tecumseh for the longest time, even before I got here, was like, you need to focus on the program first. And then once you have a good program, then you can start talking about it in ways that matter. So our program staff have been talking about this uh, for a long time is what what are our programs actually about? What do they do that matters? Because I think so often we can kind of get lost in those feel good words, things like confidence and faith and joy and whatnot. And, you know, these are all the things that we learn at camp and they almost become nonsense. They don't really matter. Uh, so for our summer camp program, Joel is our summer camp director. He's, he's incredible. And he kind of sat down for a long time and said, what, you know, these are the things that really matter, uh, to us. And it comes out of the Sagamore creed, which is something that's been at camp for at least the last 30 or 40 years. Um, that we read to read to our kids at every closing campfire. They they get it when they go home. Uh, it guides the devotions that they do at night where they all, you know, sit around with their counselors and, and talk about faith. Um, and it was really easy. All of these, all of these values came came straight straight out of there. Uh, and then the question was, how do these values impact our lives and our world? Right, where you know, trust isn't just an issue of a trust fall. Right, I mean, it's trusting your family, it's trusting your coworkers, it's trusting um, your friends, and that has an impact on the world. Mm-hmm. Right, and I think what this video does so well is it shows the connection between the values that we talk about as camp all the time and the outcome that we actually want to see in the world. So that was our, that was our goal. I'm glad you, you put it that way because we talk and actually the last episode of camp wire, I talked with Lori, our director of research. Um, and she, and our research team always uses this word outcomes. Mm -hmm. Like we have a youth outcome study that we did in like 2006 that was a huge study. And we use those stats all the time because they're great. Um, and I was like, you know, what, what do we mean by that? Cause like people, that's something that you have to kind of be in on the jargon to know, like yeah. in, in the camp world to know what we mean by the outcome. Because I think a lot of people, they say, well, camp is to, for kids to have fun. Right. But everyone in camp knows that's not just what it's about. Right. You know, like that video talks about, right. that's kind of how it starts, I think. Yeah. Um, and so the way that we kind of, Lori and I kind of talked about it was, you know, a kid is afraid to do a water slide. Like, there's a big water slide here at Tecumseh. Mm-hmm. Maybe a kid's afraid to do that. So he gets the courage to do that water slide, and it's super fun. And yeah. that's what that's what he gets out of it, is that's fun. But what he really got out of it, what the outcome was, is that he faced his fears. He found courage. He did something that he was afraid to do at first. Yeah. Like those things are positive outcomes that um, this is a very – camp is a unique setting for those. Right. And I – so – and they, and they build on each other, right? I mean, this kid that's gone down the water slide for the first time that's overcome this courage is going to use that experience when he goes to high school for the first time and needs to you know, sit down somewhere for lunch and he's going to use it at college when he's at freshman orientation and he needs to reach out and have a friend. And he's going to use it when he gets his first job to maybe approach his boss about an issue that he's dealing with, right? right. And, uh, you know, one of the things that, I, you know, I, 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 I love the Tecumseh family, right? We, it's a family of all our campers and our staff and our alumni and all these kind of stuff. And one of the things that I really love about them is that they do things in the world that matter. They're teachers, they're social workers, they're in business, they're in politics, they're all over the place and they're doing work that matters. And I like to think a lot of the stuff they're doing is 
directly referencing what they've learned here at Tecumseh. Mm-hmm. Maybe they've learned to reach out. Maybe they've learned to be more empathetic. Maybe they've learned to be better friends. And, uh, you know, most camp directors are going to be able to kind of say these exact same things, right? Because of camp, these outcomes are happening. Right. And as uh, from a marketing perspective, telling those stories are more compelling, I've found, than anything. Mm-hmm. Because we can directly show, look, this is happening because this thing happened at camp. Right. And I think what you do really well is in your videos and the your staff's videos in the summer summer staff videos yep. and um and your photos you can see those moments like maybe not if you at first glance maybe it's just like oh these are really great photos of kids looking like they're having fun sure but like to know to, to hear to think about those stories while looking at that that images tell those stories so well um and and we i mean we've got a we've got a crew of photographers that we bring in over the summer and Sam this is what you did for us right you were one of our videographers which is great so I'd love to be able to take credit for all of it you know (laughs) hey look how awesome I am and I do get out and take a few photos but we've got a really tremendous uh, photography team that's that does that and when we're in our training process we train them all and we you know see look these are the things that you're looking for right I mean like we need to get you out at the water slides and down at the lake and you need to shoot dodgeball and all this kind of stuff but we you know our our um, objectives for them are a little bit more serious, I guess, you know, I need, I need a shot of friendship today. Mm -hmm. You know, I need a shot of overcoming a challenge today. I need a shot of, um, bravery today, whatever. Uh, and it's amazing how different the photos look when you are thinking about it from that perspective, as opposed to like, Oh, this is really pretty. Or those kids look like they're having fun. Right. Right. Yeah. That's interesting. Um, I know that you are, you're not a guy who you one, you guys aren't really on Twitter. Right. Um, you don't seem to be knowing you the way that I do. I don't think you seem to be a guy who likes to stick to a certain amount of limited characters when trying to tell the story of camp. Not so much. Um, <laughs> so, with that having said, that can you talk a little about a little bit about your Tecumseh tales? Yeah. Um, so it's it's actually gone over uh, over the last five years. It's gone through some different iterations. Uh, so the Tecumseh Tales used to be a quarterly publication. It was printed on like an 11 by 17 sheet folded in half. And it was like, these are what's happening. This is when registration is. Uh, and, you know, I've got a whole bunch of them in my office that go back to 1980, I think, is when they first started. And they were just, you know, the normal camp newsletter. And we sent it off to the printer. Uh, so back in 2013, we started reimagining the Tecumseh Tales more as a magazine, uh, as opposed to just kind of a four-page uh, newsletter. And uh, we started thinking, you know, what's what kind of content are people going to want to read um, who are from Tecumseh, right? Because I think the newsletter was really kind of focused on registration and making sure uh, that mom felt comfortable sending your kids to camp, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is kind of the the standard advice. But uh we, we were starting to look at this as how do we engage our alumni that are maybe too old to come back and be a staff but aren't old enough to send their kids to camp yet? How do we engage our donors who want to hear these stories from camp uh, but maybe don't always have access to us or can't come visit? Uh, so we started writing a bunch of content that started kind of telling those kinds of stories. So uh, we, we've got something called the Torchbearer Chronicles, which is always kind of a keystone feature of the Tecumseh Tales, uh, which is a it's a kind of a long form spotlight on one of our old staff members who are doing really cool things in the world. So we featured uh, staff members that have spent a year down in Honduras working for, you know, children's organizations. Uh, We featured um, social workers. We featured, you know, one of the kind of the managers of uh, uh, dance marathon, which is a big fundraising effort for 
um, the Children's Miracle Network of Hospitals. Uh, so we kind of tell these stories, and then uh, we try to tell stories in there as well that um, kind of highlight the intentionality of the Tecumseh program, right? Uh, so our program director a while back wrote this great story on the intentionality of camp and how everything that we do here is based on these sets of values, and these are how we implement it. We had our outdoor education director talk about how we structure the outdoor education program in order to meet state standards in order to kind of hit these objectives that we've set for ourselves ranging from we want to make sure that kids get outside we want to make sure that kids are forming relationships not just with each other but with their teachers and with their parents um, and they're kind of these deep dives into why our program does the things that they do uh, and what we find is that people really relate to these because we're moving beyond the conversation of camp is this fun place to be and instead it's camp is this place that makes a difference and this is how we make our difference. We feel that by being transparent in this way, um, we're making that enticing argument. Look, we've thought about all this kind of stuff. This is this is what's important to us. These are the outcomes that we want, and this is how we're doing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's it's resonated quite well. So it's transformed now from kind of this you know four page paper that comes to tales into kind of a you know a sixteen to thirty two page magazine that features some of these stories. Um, and it's also evolved into a, a digital edition. We do a monthly newsletter that's essentially, um, you know, a collection of what's going in the print edition of the Tecumseh Tales. We feature it, and we use Mailchimp to do that, um, and that goes out once every, once once a month, and uh, kind of is a compilation of those stories. Great, yeah, yeah it's a, and it's really an incredible tool. I know that you know I think most a lot of camps may not have the the time to do yeah. a printed version, but to be able to tell at least one long form story yeah. can be such an asset to your programming and to your messaging and your storytelling. Yeah. And I think I think there's kind of a, you know a few different few different thoughts on this, right? One is uh, my philosophy with print is if you're going to print something, if you're going to spend the money to print it, it better be worth the paper you're printing it on, right? Uh, because digital is so cheap and so you know it, it's you know so low cost, it's hard to it's hard to justify putting stuff on paper and mailing it out and spending the money on the ink and the paper and the shipping. Um, but there's this feeling you get when you get something amazing in the mail, right? And I think a lot of companies are starting to figure this out, that you get this thing and it feels good in your hands and it looks amazing. And there's a sense of like, wow, this is like someone put a lot of care and time into this and I'm really happy I got this. Um, so we, we try to make the tales this really engaging experience, not just from a content perspective, but from a visual and aesthetic perspective uh, as well from a tactile perspective. And then, you know, I, I take a little, a little bit of flack for this occasionally. Long form articles, you kind of look at them and go, why the hob would you do that for a camp thing, right? Is anyone really going to engage with you on that level? And what you find is that there's a lot of people that aren't going to read that and you have to be okay with that. Um, but there are a lot of people that are really connected to you that want to hear those stories. And, uh, when we change our mind or when we start thinking about something in a new way, it's usually the result of spending time Mm -hmm. an in-depth amount of time with something. So, you know, if there are a hundred parents and 90 of them refuse to read it, but 10 of them do, I know I've got 10 parents that are going to be way more invested in the Tecumseh experience than they would if I pumped out a 750 word blog post. Right. And I, I think too, like with when it comes to long form, it, a lot of it matters in how it's presented to you. Yes, you know, like there's a or there's a reason that Twitter is built the way that it is because you scroll. It's a scrolling. Yeah, this is a perpetual scrolling. Right. No, no one's gonna stop and read a long form essay on Twitter. Yeah. Because I mean, unless you're really drawn in, um, but in the right place with something in your hands, a magazine. Yeah. You know, just like camping magazine, people read those articles because they know 
they expect that. Yeah. You know, it's, so it's about presenting it too. And you guys do a great job presenting those tales. And you're just in a different space. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like yeah. when you're sitting down with a magazine, you're in a different space than when you're scrolling through Facebook and you're clicking on articles and you go, there's no way I'm reading that. That's too long. Right. And, um, but I think it goes back to the something we were talking about earlier with kind of that intent, right? I mean, it's easy to look at this stuff and go, wow, this isn't getting a lot of click through or wow, this isn't you know getting the amount of likes that I want. Um, and we're cool with that. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we're comfortable because we know that I'm not able to measure exactly the thing that I'm trying to produce. Um, on Facebook, I, I'm not going to be able to measure the success of one of these articles by shares, likes, or comments. Right. Um, and so there's this little bit of an unknown, and it's something that we're still working on. It's kind of how do you measure this? But um, I, I, based on conversations that I have with parents, based on conversations I have with our counselors and our alumni, I am, I am fully invested in the importance of long form. Because when you sit down to read something, right? I mean, you're going, oh, I don't want to read anything. And then you get sucked into it. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And you're reading, you're going, oh, 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 okay, this is great. This is great. And 40 minutes have gone by. Right. You know, wow. Like, I learned so much. And wow, like, I, you know, you're, you kind of look at the world a little bit differently right. after you read content like that. What I like about the Tecumseh Tales is that you may read a full article about someone in Honduras or someone doing something, and you may walk away not thinking about Camp Tecumseh at all. Right. But, like, it doesn't matter because it's that experience from Tecumseh was a part of making that experience elsewhere. Right. And I think that the, overall those connections are drawn. Right. Um, but... It, uh, that's something that I, I like about telling the story of camp is you don't always have to go back to the moment on the water slide. No. You know, the moment facing your fears because all of it relates right. somehow to you being the person you are. Yeah. The story of camp is the story of our lives, mm-hmm. right? I mean, camp is this intersection point. It's this focal point that's changed you in a way that you can see 40 years, right. 50 years down the line. Right. So um, what are some challenges, though, that you have... Dude, marketing camp. <laughs> Content is so hard to produce. It's so hard to produce. Uh, so, you know, one of the things that's, in, this is going to sound like a very luxurious argument to make is, um, you know, I wear a lot of, even though I do marketing for camp, I wear a lot of hats, right? I mean, from video production to photo production to audio production to, uh, you know, to writing and graphic design and all this kind of stuff. It's really hard to produce the level of content that, you know, a lot of companies that are doing content marketing well, they've got a team of, you know, 40 people that, you know, they're doing this, even, you know, a a great camp like Frost Valley, they've got a team of people and they Mm -hmm. kick butt. Um, So it's, it can be a little tough, you know, if I'm working on something like the tales, uh, that's what I'm doing for the week. I'm not doing anything else. So I'm not posting to Facebook. I'm not posting to Instagram because that's where I need my focus to be. Uh, so it can be a little hard to maintain that consistency um, with, with posting and kind of some of those regular duties when you're trying, trying to produce really impactful content. Um, I think the second thing that can be really difficult is it's, there's so much that you can do. It's easy to get overwhelmed. And uh, me personally, I, you know, I can kind of jump from idea to idea and go, oh, this would be really cool. And oh, this would be really cool. And you know, we should do a podcast and we should do a video series and we need to be on YouTube. And oh, Snapchat just came out with this new thing. That'd be really great. Right. Uh, it can be hard for me to kind of rein myself in and say, no, these are the channels that we're focusing on. And this is the way that we're going to talk to people. And we're not going to go outside of that. Yeah. Talk, so talk a little bit. Because I, I know you've, you've had that conversation with yourself. Yeah. Yes. And you've made those decisions. Yes. And you write a tip. You guys are active on Facebook and Instagram. Yes, that's it. And it's intentional. That's right. I know you kind of alluded to it, but can you talk about that a little bit more? Yeah. Um, I think there's this tendency to want to jump on whatever's new, right? There's this new platform out, and of course, that's where all the kids are going, so that's where you need to go in order to kind of be present. But I think what we fail to realize sometimes is that when we interact online, there's this network of 
platforms that we're using, right? So personally, right, I'll use Snapchat, I'll use Facebook, I'll use Instagram. Um, and I'm on all three of those things, right? And I can I can safely assume that our campers are on Instagram and Snapchat and kind of a few other places, but I don't need to chase them around to all of those different venues because I know they're always going to come back to Instagram. I always know that our moms are going to come back to Facebook. So I can waste my time trying to learn a bunch of these new platforms, but I don't need to because if I do these two really well, then I know that I'm going to, I've, I've got my audience. Now, and I'm not to say that you, you can't use anything else, right? I mean, if your camp has a wicked good Snapchat, um, if you've got wicked good Snapchat content and, you know, a wicked good plan, great. Keep mm-hmm. doing that thing. Um, but I found it's better to really focus in on one or two social networks that you know you can do really well, that you can add content to regularly. You've got a handle on the community because these people are going to come back to you. Right. They, they, they know they're, that you, they find you on Instagram and that's where they're going to be interacting with you. I don't need to go chasing them around to other places. So it's kind of like... Um being true to your base yeah. with content, right? With the amount of content and the regularity of content, right? But also, and not spreading yourself too thin, yes, on everything, right? It's it's much more important to be relevant than it is to be present. Mm-hmm. And I think we have this tendency to say, oh, well, we need to be on this, and we need, you know, the conversation goes, we need to be on this network, and we need to post X amount of times per day, and the real conversation that's supposed to happen is who is our audience, what do they want, and how do we provide what they want? Because those answers to those three questions are going to significantly change how you do what you do, how regularly you post, and what platforms you go mm-hmm. to, right? So we're on Facebook because we know that's where our moms are. And the content that we post to Facebook is uh, maybe a little bit more dry than the stuff that we post to Instagram. We're a bit more snarky on Instagram because that's where all of our summer camp counselors are. Like, we, you know, we adopt the voice of a, our 22-year-old counselors and we post pictures from summer camp. And um, it's a different interaction there than it is on Facebook. And I guess those, that's kind of where we go. So Facebook is for our older audiences. Instagram's for our younger audiences, mm-hmm. kind of our counselors and down. Um so yeah, we don't we don't need to we don't need to go chasing people elsewhere because we know who our audience is and how to talk to them. Yeah, I think that I think that that mentality and people can disagree with that as well because I know people who are on everything and they do yeah. a fine job. Yeah, um, but that could also be a huge relief for a lot of camps who are, are uh, labor wise are spreading themselves thin. Gosh, and are trying to figure out how to market their camps while they're juggling all their other responsibilities. And to just think, if I can just tell the story on Facebook. Right. Or if I can just tell it on Facebook and Instagram, it may be a huge relief right. for them. Dude, I mean, when we cut Twitter, that was like the greatest day <laughs> for me, right? Because in order in order to be relevant on Twitter, man, you got to be posting eight to 12 times a day and you need to be responding to everyone and it's just a mess. It's very, it is, it's very interactive. Like you need one dude or one gal that's just the Twitter king or queen. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, and for us, it was like, I, you know, I'm too busy doing other things, right? Like I'd rather, you know, my, my one of my philosophies is, you know, I'd, I'd rather be, uh, you know, it's called, you know, low frequency, high amplitude, right? right? So you're not going to hear from me all the time, but when you do hear from me, it's going to be impactful. Well, and it's, it's nice too. Cause I mean, as you know, and as all of us in the camp world know, you know, June, June through August, basically these, you've stopped talking to your audience Yeah, because they're there because you're right. Yeah. They're at camp. So you go silent socially. Right. And to go silent on, in a, on so many platforms can be jarring maybe for your audience yes. who want to know what's going on yes, or want to hear maybe, okay, let's see some stories from camp while you're there. Right. And if you're not 
all of a sudden invisible on everything, it could be jarring. Yeah. Um, to, to channel those down to a couple places may still be manageable to post once in a while. Right. Um, while you're at camp. Well, and it's when they're thinking about you that, you know, it really matters, right? Mm-hmm. So that the that two months leading up to summer camp or the two months after leading up to summer camp are your highest interaction and engagement times. So if you think about it from like a family vacation perspective, right? So my family goes to Disney World more frequently than I'd probably care to admit. <laughs> um, but... So, we, you know, we get into Disney all the time, but I tell you, like, I'm not interested in Disney six months before my vacation. I'm interested in Disney two months before my vacation, and that's when I'm reading their emails. That's when I'm opening, uh, you know, their Facebook page. That's when I'm listening to Disney podcasts or whatever I'm doing uh, because I know it's coming and I'm getting excited for it. So for us to go silent, and this is something that we've we've dealt with a lot over the last year, you know, as me moving into my summer camp role, I kind of take my hands off the wheel a little bit with with the social media stuff and, and the marketing stuff. Um, but it really kind of does a disservice because that's when people are going to be most engaged and that's when people are mm-hmm. going to be most excited is during those months. Right. And I imagine, too, kids. I mean, campers who come week two. Yeah. And then they're having this, like, camp sick right. week three when right. they're at home. They're like, right. I want to be at camp. Yeah. Or I, I have a cousin who's there week three. I want to see what – I want to know what it's like to be at that that week at yes. camp because I miss camp. You know, like Exactly. There's valuable moments to connect in the summertime. Right. Um. So we kind of have alluded to this too, and I, I've um, thought about a lot about this lately. Is it's we talked about the challenges you have a little bit, mm-hmm. um, but there is something inherently easy about marketing a camp compared yeah. to marketing, you know, like you know, uh, Halliburton or like some <laughs> right, you know, exactly, some, like, Monsanto. Right, like these right. guys. <laughs> uh, I pity the people who have to be on the Monsanto marketing. My team. goodness, um, spin team, <laughs> dream team, absolutely. But, yeah, but um, but it's there's. If we talk about content and the story that we want to tell, yeah. there's nothing better. You know, what else is there like that can that can rival the story that camp marketers get to tell? It's like a it's a privilege to be able to tell this story. So, can you talk a little bit? I think that to me is the the, the easiest part about marketing camps is that you have this great thing to market. And can you talk a little bit about that? It's the best part of the job. Um, one of the reasons that it works is because we're authentic. Um, and one of the reasons that it works for other camps is because it's authentic. Your camp, I mean, when you you meet those people sometimes, those wickedly energetic camp directors, and they're just fired up for this great new program that they've invented, or they've got these staff members that are just going to go change the world. And like you see this, and in your interactions with them, you go, man, like wow, they are so fired up for their job. Um, there's no reason we can't bring that, right? We're not selling widgets. We're not like trying to force people to buy this piece of junk that's going to end up in a landfill, right? Yeah. I mean, like we change lives. And, you know, I, it's the most cliche thing in the world to say anymore, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we're in the life-changing business. And if you can't get excited about doing that, then you're toast, man. You're never <laughs> going to find something that you can get pumped about. Right. Uh, so, no, it, it makes a huge, huge bit of difference because – you know, you were saying it earlier, you can go have a conversation with someone and then, you know, they start to light up as you fill them in on these are these great things that happened and this is this cool story and let me tell you about this counselor and all oh, this camper did this one thing and it was amazing and all mm-hmm. of a sudden they're going, oh, wow. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so, yeah, it's it's the best part of right. the job is that we get to – I don't feel like I'm selling something, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like that's kind of one of the, the, the things that marketers kind of get sucked into is going, oh, I feel like I've got to sell this uh, thing to other people. You're not selling anything. You're talking about a huge part of your life. Our vocations are par- a huge part of our life. Uh, and we're fortunate that this part of our life is such an impactful part of others. Right. Well, and it's like there's two things I know for sure is um, that camp – 
matters. Yeah. And that, like I said earlier, it's easy to show that to someone else if they ju- you just make those connections. So a lot of camp marketing, would, to me, would be making those two things fit together. Right. And making that connection that will to, to one person that will change the way that they the see camp. Right. And that's not just dumping your kids off while you go on vacation. Yeah. It's uh, this life-changing experience. And then once that person sees it, you have a whole new tool. Yeah. Because they have this whole network of people yeah. to to explain that to, you know. And it can feel sometimes that you almost get tired of telling the same story over and over. It's like I've written this blog post before. I've posted this picture before. Uh, but the thing is, I think we live in it every day and we see it every day and we can get bogged down in it sometimes. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, this place that our kids view is the best place on earth, right? Uh, this is where we live and work. So maybe it's not as exciting to us. That glimmer is, isn't there as much. Uh, and I think because of that, it can be easy for us to kind of look at marketing and storytelling in this perspective of like, oh, it's this thing I got to do right next to my, you know, fi- this month's financial documents or, you know, oh, I got to go fix this thing again because it's broken. Mm-hmm. Um but when it comes to telling the story, right? I mean, we could tell this story over and over, and you should. I'm telling you this, right? You should tell this story over mm-hmm. and over and over and over and over again right. because it's the one that resonates. Well, and that's, I think, you know, part of what my job is to do at ACA is to take our, re- I mean, I'm, I'm on the communications team, but I, I also work with the research team, and I'm supposed to take these this research that we've done, we've spent a lot of time on, and prove, basically prove to the world here's why camp matters. Yeah. And that's what our research team is doing all the hard work on. And the good thing is that we have stats that prove the, the, the layman, the camp layman that this matters. Yeah. And so, um, part of that is me getting it out there Yeah. and our communications team getting that out there. And I think that there's a lot of, like there's a, there's an avenue that camps can take, like to use what you know about your camp. Um, because it's hard to make, that's, that's more of like a data-driven connection that I think camp directors want. They yeah. want that, and it's not always easy to make those. But like to be able to say that this amount of kids came this summer, and we know that this amount of kids are those kids are coming back next summer. Like that's a huge stat that you could yeah. prove your worth. But all but I guess what I'm try, really trying to get at is a lot of times you're not going to be able to do that. Right. You're not going to be able to prove any kind of data-driven. Uh, avenue of why this matters. Right. It's going to be more about like a look on someone's face or um, someone, a comment that someone makes to you when they're leaving yeah. with their parents. You know, those are the things that prove that what you're doing and the story you're telling matters. Yeah. And I th- on one hand, I think it's so much more impactful uh, than, you know, a numbers sheet, right? Mm-hmm. You know, here's all the stats from camp last year. Um, on the other hand, I think that's kind of the next unexplored territory for camp marketing to get to is in a world that's increasingly quantifiable and relies on data in order to make decisions. I think finding ways to quantify these camp experiences and these outcomes mm-hmm. uh, is incredibly important, right? And I think there are little things that, that we do here that helps us do those things. So all of our campers fill out an evaluation at the end of the week, and we ask them questions like, did you make a new friend? Uh, did you grow closer to God? Uh, what was your favorite activity? And we can use those evaluations to say, look, you know, 80% of our campers who came last year made a new friend Mm -hmm. or, you know, 96% of our campers who came last year grew closer to God. Because for some people, 
when they're being talked to, they're going to light up when you tell them those stories of, you know, look at this picture of this kid's face when he went down the water slide for the first time. Right. Or let me tell you about this counselor who's, you know, running a nonprofit organization down in Rwanda now. Um, and they're going to go, oh, my gosh. But there are other people that are going to look go, cool, that's great. It worked for this one person, but you serve 36,000 people a year. I want to see that impact, right. you know, over, you know, over time. Right. So um, I think in order to tell a complete story, that data part is important. But it is incredibly difficult it for is. us, and I'm glad that the ACA is is taking this step to try to get some of that. I think it's um, important, and I also think it's important for camps to start making efforts on mm-hmm. our own to start yeah. gathering that data as well. Well, and there's, it's kind, of, it's interesting. There's, there's like you, you know, you take the data, take like a line that says 93% of accredited camps offer some form of scholarship, and if you can take that stat and match it with a story, yes, with a person, yes. Um, all of a sudden you have some very effective marketing. Right. Right. And so for a camp to take, you know, 90% of our kids had said they had fun last year. Yeah. And then to put put that in context of uh, here's this kid who came kicking and screaming out of the van when he was dropped off and left kicking and screaming because he didn't want to leave. (laughs) Like those are stories that really resonate. Yeah. It's like it's merging the two. Yeah. Well, you can say, look, meet Sally. Sally's got a face. Sally's got friends. Sally's from a hometown, right? We've got 700 Sally's here this yeah. week, right? And you go, oh, I get it now, as opposed to, you know, using we've got 700 kids and right. faith is important to right. them, right? There's, right? It's not nearly as personal. Right. Yeah. Do you have any things that you're doing that you think that maybe other people have thought were odd and a waste of time or other marketers might think are odd? <laughs> I think I think the long-form content is one of those things that people would go, wow, that's a lot of time to invest in something that, you know, from a measurable perspective isn't, isn't um, doing some of the work that we might want to see. Uh, but like we talked about earlier, I'm, I'm, I'm fully invested in that. I think our commitment to print, uh, to continue printing um, is important. I think... Um, I, we underestimate significantly the value of design, mm-hmm. uh, not just aesthetic, but uh, the way that a piece is supposed to work. Uh, when you, what, what happens when it's you first get it out of your mailbox? What's the first thing you see? How do you go about opening it? How does the message come through the process of reading it? Um, so there's an intentionality with some of our design work that um, I'm really proud of that I think works um, for us that maybe adds additional cost or adds additional time that other people go, why in God's name would you spend time folding a paper that way instead mm-hmm. of just doing the regular trifold in an envelope and sending it on the way. Right. Um, so I think it's some of the little things, uh, you know, I, I think it, I, I tend to view, um, our audience is well-educated. Um, they're upper middle class, uh, and I treat them as such, right? I mean, I, I'm assuming they're reading things like The New Yorker or The New York Times. I'm assuming they're shopping at you know upscale places. I'm assuming that the media landscape that they exist in is highbrow and high quality. Uh, so I think when I look at stuff, I'm going, well, I'm competing in a mailbox against Tiffany and Harvard University and you know here's my junky little postcard using Comic Sans right like there's no way you're going to stack up Uh, so I think um, being aware of where your audience is what they're interacting with what their aesthetic is on a daily basis is important Um, and that's and that's more important to me than I guess some of the the basic measurables that we're maybe used to seeing yeah interesting 2013 you kind of rolled up uh, Tecumseh Tales and you kind of completely changed that yeah and you've and at least it's my understanding that a lot of the things a lot of pretty much most of marketing at Tecumseh has changed because of you and in some yeah. way 
Um, did you get, I don't, I'm not trying to put my future father-in-law on the spot or anything, but did you get any pushback? Like, was there anybody who was like, are you sure about this? Or were you kind of given, because I would imagine that there are people out there at camps right now who maybe they're thinking, you know, we could redo this. We could, yeah. we could start from scratch and redo this. Yes. Um, not to say that you started from scratch. I don't know, but, um, who, but maybe think, I don't want to reinvent the wheel. I don't want to push those buttons if I don't really know what I'm, you know, how to, to even start. Right. Um, I'm lucky to work in a place where my boss is so supportive. Um, working, you know, so Scott Brosman is the CEO of, of Camp Tecumseh. He's one of the best CEOs in the country. He's incredible to work for. And I remember I remember going into his office for the first time. And it was, you know, probably a month after I started working here full time. And it was like, hey, we're going to do some marketing stuff. And it was like, cool. Like, I'm not entirely sure what this looks like. And I remember getting with, uh, you know, our development director who's not here anymore um, and I was like, dude, like we could really do some stuff, man. Like we could really do some stuff. And I don't, I always struggle when I have to say the sentence. So like from your podcast perspective, I'm not sure kind of how it's supposed to go. Enrollment isn't our biggest issue, right? We're full most of the time. We've got a full summer camp. Our outdoor education programs are full. We're not looking to fill beds. So I remember going to him and I was like, look, we're in this really unique situation where technically we don't need marketing. Like we don't right. need traditional marketing of let's send out a postcard and see how many people yeah. kind of, you know, enroll. But I think instead we went, look, people are having this incredible experience here at camp. They're doing new things. They're trying new things. They're changing their majors. They're going to new schools. They're having experiences that they wouldn't have as a result of this experience. That's important. Like it's one, it's important for us to keep them plugged in, right? How do we keep encouraging them? Uh, for our counselors, how do we, you know, they've had this monumental experience working for camp five years down the road, but they're not here anymore. How do we keep loving on them and pumping into them and, and keeping them engaged? Um, how do we continue telling these stories? So 40 years down the line, when they're millionaires and they're ready to start making donations, how do we, you know, make sure that we're still part of their lives where we can go and ask them, hey, we're building a new dining hall. We'd love to put your name on a building. How's $4 million, <laughs> a $4 million donation sound? Um, sounds great. You sounds great, right? Uh so, so I kind of went to him and I said, look, I want to do these things. From a marketing perspective, we're not going to see new beds. Uh, and I, I, you know, I should mention that you know, despite doing this stuff, we don't have a big marketing budget, right? We don't have a lot of money uh, that we're using. Producing content is time intensive, right? I right, mean, we've got right. enough to – we've got cameras and we've got computers. Uh, and you know, we're fortunate to have nice cameras and nice computers, but you can take great photos anywhere. Um, so I was like, look, we don't need a lot of money to do this. We, I've got this time and ability and a desire to do this. Let's keep people plugged in, um, which was kind of a, a strange place to be. So he was like, "Wow, you know, I, I he was he was on board. He's you know, he's, this makes sense to me. This this works. Let's start playing with stuff and, and see how it how it goes." I would be lying to you if I said everything was totally rosy and everything worked out yeah. all the time, right? right. I think um, you know some of the some of the pieces that I've I've done have um, you know maybe ruffled a, a few feathers. Um, the the biggest thing um, that you run into is, and especially in camp, camp is a conservative community, and I don't mean that in the political sense. I mean that in a we're traditional mm-hmm. and we're going to do the things that we've been doing for a long time because it's worked for us. Because Tecumseh has been here for ninety. Four years? This is our 93rd year, 93rd right? Year? 93rd year. And I know there are com- camps in the country and camps that are listening that are much older than us. Yeah. Um, 
where you know we've been doing this forever. We can't we can't do that. We can't make this donor mad. We can't make this key friend mad. Uh, and change can be kind of scary. Uh, so um, you know we we rolled out kind of a few things and uh, it was like wow this is really new. Like I don't I don't like this because it doesn't look like what it used to. Uh, but in the design world, uh, you can always expect. Um, anytime you roll out a redesign of something or kind of this new edition, people are going to go, oh, I don't like it because it's new. Exactly. Uh, you know what I mean? Uh, but the thing that was encouraging to me uh, was the audience that I, I had identified loved it. Uh, and it was exactly what they were looking for. And because I had that intent set up before we did anything, because mm-hmm. I knew exactly what I wanted to do before we spent money, designed anything, um, I, I figured it was going to work. Um, so I, I take comfort in knowing that the audience, the feedback from the audience that I'm speaking to is, is what matters, right? So if I'm writing to, t- writing to teachers for teachers, I'm less concerned about what a summer camp parent is going to say. Okay. Uh, if I'm writing um, for our summer camp staff or our donors, I'm going to be less concerned with what a teacher uh, might say. That doesn't mean I'm going to you know completely ignore right. their feedback. But I but, like the, what you're saying about being really intentional on your audience. Yes. You know, and yes. it's okay to... You know, you have different audiences because you your biggest audience, your biggest fans, are eight to fifteen year olds. Right. You know, really, those are your those are, those are the right. ages that you're that are that really understand it because they're the ones experiencing it. Right. But you you have audiences from eight to eighty. Yeah. You know, or more. Right. So and it's and I think it's people don't want to we don't want to leave any of those people out. Right. But at the same time, like you, it's okay to cater to one more yeah. than the other sometimes. Right. In right. If, if listeners, if you haven't subscribed to Seth Godin's daily blog, you need to do that. I'm not being paid to say this, but I'm saying that it's one of the most important blogs that I read every I, day. I, I have that, and I know that a couple of my uh, coworkers are going to love that you said that. <laughs> so Seth Godin for the win. Uh, but one of the things that Seth always says, and I really appreciate this, is that you can't make everybody happy, and you have to know who your audience is, and that's the only people that matter to you. So for us... And this can be a hard place because you don't want to leave anybody out, especially at a place that's inclusive like Tecumseh. Um, but sometimes certain people are just not going to dig what you're doing. And that's OK. And you go, that's fine, you know, because I've got my little tribe of people over here that love what we're doing. And that's that's who I'm that's who I'm talking to. Right. And I think the one of the great one of the reasons why we can come back to saying that camp is an easy can be an easy place to market because of how great it is. Yeah. Is that for every person who may not get down with your programming or whatever, you're going to find, I mean, how many, yeah. 10, 50 more right. that, that will. Right. Because it's just like how many people out there can really dislike what you're doing. Right. You know? And there's this, I think there's this narrative that's kind of been trotted out over the last you know, a few decades or so that like mom is the only person that's really important. And like from a marketing perspective, maybe there's some, there, there is some sense in that, right? I mean, they're the ones that control the credit card and make the decisions and all of that kind of stuff. But, um, I think we make the mistake when we say this, I think it's okay for us to say, this isn't for mom. This is for our campers, or right. this is for our donors, or this is for our teachers or, or alumni or alumni, which is really, I think kind of an emerging, right. Emerging topic for camps. Right. So, I think it's okay to say this one's not for mom. Right. You know what I mean? And there's no shame in that. There's no, um, th- th- there's nothing wrong with setting up an audience that doesn't involve mom. What's your favorite part of your job? Oh my goodness! <laughs> and you can be technical. You can be like a technical thing or like a, you know, um, a big topic, whatever. This is re- okay. I've got a few favorites okay. that I know that doesn't 
that's not what the word favorite means, but it's hard. They're like <laughs> yeah, all my babies. Of course, yeah. Um, my, a few of my favorite things. One, I love doing the interviews for the Torchbearer Chronicles. We talked about that a little earlier. Um, but sitting down with someone that maybe I've seen grow into this tremendous person or meeting somebody for the first time that has this wealth of Tecumseh experience before I was here uh, and, you know, sitting across the table for them and hearing their story for two or three hours sometimes is just amazing uh, to see one, the impact that camp has had on their life. And two, you get, you leave and you're just inspired because like the people that we pick are incredible human beings. So I love that process. Um, the second part, another, I love photography, right? I'm, you know, I've, I've always been a, I haven't always been a photographer, but as long as I've been at camp, I've been a photographer. Um, and I love being able to go out and hang out with kids and, and take pictures. And, um, it's just a really, really, uh, fun part of my job. And the other part of my job that I really enjoy is design. I love, love, love design. So whether that's print design or designing stuff for our website, um, those are the things that really fire me up. There's a lot of things that fire me up, but those are the three things that I get most excited about. Cool. Well, summer is just around the corner. Yeah, right? it is. Camp is getting closer. It is. Cool. Well, thanks for talking to me today. Well, thanks for having me, Sam. It's been a pleasure. All right. Cool. All right. Thanks so much to Mike Lang from Camp Tecumseh in Brookston, Indiana, for talking with me, hanging out with me a little bit, and talking marketing. Uh, they've got a lot of exciting things going on, and um, we'll put some links on our Podbean page where we host these episodes uh, where you can kind of see what, what some of the things they've been doing. Um, be sure to check us out on Twitter, uh, at ACA Camps. Um, I'm at Sam underscore Hurt, and Mike is not on Twitter, as you heard in the, in the episode, and neither is Camp Tecumseh. They may have an old account, but it's not really being used. But they are on Instagram. Uh, just search Camp Tecumseh and Facebook. Um, ACA is on there as well, and just search ACA Camps. All right, thanks so much for listening.